0: Hey guys, welcome back to my podcast, Crimes, Coffee, and Crazy. I am your host, A. And today, my dear listeners, we are diving into our first true crime case. Um, I was hoping to actually have this out on Sunday, but I have been a little bit under the weather, so I have been kind of sluggish in terms of like my research and all that stuff but i um, feeling a bit better today and the baby is sleeping so I have a bit of time to myself which is very very rare nowadays <laughs> um, with two youngsters but um, yeah I wanted to spend this time with you guys and chat about one of my favorite topics and that is true crime. I don't know if that makes me like a creep, but I don't know, I just find it fascinating. Anyway, I digress. Um, yeah, so this will be episode three, and if you've um, joined me for any of my previous episodes, I just want to say a big hell yeah to you, and um, thank you so, so much. It is so exciting when I am you know, on social media, and I'm seeing, like, I get a new follower, and, like, I just want you guys to know, like, I see you, and I think it's just so awesome that, like, you followed me. I'm, I'm very honored that you did that. Um, yeah, so, without further ado, let's get into it. So because you're listening to a true crime podcast, um, episode, I don't know if you necessarily need a trigger warning, but I am going to give you a trigger warning regardless because I think it's important. I know that I've been listening to something or watching something and something very terrible, vile, awful happens and, um, it sticks with you. So I would have loved the opportunity to kind of fast forward (laughs) or skip over certain parts. Um, but yeah, so in this particular case, uh I will say that there is severe severe child abuse um and obviously a very brutal murder. So, um yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know. Uh like I said, you're listening to this, you're probably you know expecting that, but just for pe- my own peace of mind, I wanted to put that out there. Um, Also, I was listening to my last podcast, and I just want to let you guys know that I have come up with a drinking game for you, my dear listeners. Um, If you are of legal drinking age in whatever country you are in, I would like you to take a shot every time I say the word navigating. (laughs) Every time I say the word, um, unfortunate. (laughs) Or unfortunately, and uh, oh, um, I say um all the time, so you know, prepare to get a little bit drunky because i uh I really say those words a lot, I'm finding out now as um a podcast host, anyhow, <laughs> that was my little my little attempt at humor, uh um, sorry about it if you didn't find it funny, but I thought it was pretty funny, and I like to. Poke fun at myself. Um, okay, so we are discussing today the the case of Gypsy Rose Blanchard and her mom Dee Dee. I am going to go into a bit of Dee Dee's history, and then I am going to um, obviously talk about Gypsy and their twisted tale together. Wow, that's great alliteration. Um, okay. So, Dee Dee, her full name was Claudine, but she preferred Dee Dee, was born in Chack Bay, Louisiana in 1967. She grew up with her family in Golden Meadow, Louisiana, which is close to Chack Bay, I guess, and that's where she later had her daughter, Gypsy. I tried to find any indication of abuse or trauma, etc. Uh, in Dee Dee's history, but I couldn't seem to find any details that would indicate that she was subjected to that. Um, if you know different, please contact me. Like, I, I'm very interested to know. Um, but Dee Dee's family members were definitely wary of her. Apparently, she had um, a really bad habit of stealing from family members when she, quote unquote, didn't get her way. Another little tidbit uh, was that her family actually suspected and were suspicious that she may have even killed her own mother by denying her food. Which is absolutely terrible. I don't know how, I I don't know how that works, how you do that to someone you love. I, anyway, it just, ugh, awful. So a little bit more about Dee. Um, she worked as a nurse's aide, which is important later in this case. Um, but I will touch on it now. So because she had a bit of nurse's training, she could accurately, um, and convincingly describe, symptoms and she knew about medications and their uses, side effects, all that stuff. So just put a pin in that because that's important. Um, When she was 24, she became pregnant with Gypsy by Rod Blanchard, who was 17 at the time. Um, A cute little sprinkle that I found out while researching this case Was that Dee Dee and Rod named her Gypsy Rose because Dee Dee loved the name Gypsy and Rod loved Guns N' Roses. So, you know, take me down to the Paradise City. Anyway, (laughs) I thought that was kind of cute and I needed a little bit of humor because this case really effed with me. Um, So here we go. Yeah, uh, that's a little bit of light in this terribly messed up case. Okay, so Dee Dee and Rod broke up before Gypsy was even born. Um, Dee Dee begged Rod to reconsider, but his mind was just made up, so they separated. But he did remain part of his daughter's life, and um, yeah, so Gypsy was born July 27th, 1991. Things began to turn as they say, when Gypsy was only three months old. Dee Dee became hysterical, and she told everyone who would listen that Gypsy suffered from sleep apnea. Before I get all, like, into the craziness, I just want to say that I watched a documentary on this case called Mommy Dead and Dearest. It's by HBO, and... This is where I'm getting a lot of my information from. So if you're in the market for like a fascinating documentary and you haven't seen this, um, it's definitely worth a watch. It's hard to get through because there are so many levels to this case and um, it really makes you think, which is something I personally am a fan of. So yeah, if you're interested, check it out. But um, anyways, this isn't a plug for HBO, so let's get back to the case. So in the documentary, Rod, Gypsy's dad, is being interviewed, and he says that he was told um, from a very young age that Gypsy had a lot of health issues. He was being told this by Dee Dee, and he actually admitted in the documentary that he would praise her and applaud her efforts at keeping their daughter so healthy and staying on top of her um, round-the-clock care, which... Is super interesting because, you know, I mean, if you know the case, you know that that's not, uh, the truth. (laughs) Um, so Gypsy is three months old, like I said, and Didi is claiming that she has sleep apnea. Um, she begins taking Gypsy to multiple overnight, um, admissions to the hospital so they can run every single possible test and they can determine if Gypsy indeed suffers from sleep apnea and, guess what, you guys? Just guess what? There is no actual evidence that indicates that Gypsy, in fact, suffers from sleep apnea. So this little three-month-old peanut is being subjected to these tests multiple times. And I don't know what sleep apnea tests entail, but I mean, invasive or not, it's just unnecessary medical care and hospital visits. And like, it's just baffling to me. Um but sleep apnea was just the tip of the gosh darn iceberg. Oh gosh. All right. Need to take some deep breaths to get through uh some of my notes here. <laughs> so um gypsy grew up with Dee Dee constantly, constantly making claims about her health. That resulted in diagnosis, diagnoses, I don't know, and um, medical interventions. Uh, when Gypsy was eight years old, Dee Dee claimed that she suffered from leukemia and muscul- muscular dystrophy. She claimed that Gypsy needed a wheelchair and a feeding tube <sighs> when, again, these were not at all necessary So here's a story that I found out about the wheelchair. Um, In one article that I read, it said that Dee Dee told Gypsy that she had muscular dystrophy, so she needed to use a walker. And then when Gypsy was eight years old, she was riding on a motorbike with her grandpa, uh, and they got into like a little fender bender, and she scraped her knee. And Dee Dee made it her business to tell Gypsy that the doctor recommended she use a wheelchair to tend to her scraped knee and that like it would heal faster or something. Um, and Gypsy of course believed her because like, why wouldn't you? Also, she was a child. She was eight years old. Like if my mom told me when I was eight that the sky was actually magenta, like I would have friggin' believed her. <sighs> God, this is just so heartbreaking. Other medical problems that Dee Dee threw on top of this already terrible pizza pie: um, seizures, asthma, hearing and visual impairments. Like I'm sure the list is endless, but those are the pretty prominent ones that I found. So, because of Dee Dee's claims about Gypsy's health. Gypsy was prescribed a lengthy, lengthy list of medications and had to sleep using a breathing machine. She had multiple surgeries, like, pardon me, because Dee like, convinced the doctors that she needed them. How messed up? Like, I can't... Like, I've had surgery before, um, and... I just don't know how you put your child through that on purpose. Like, okay, sorry. I'm going to go off on tangents because I'm a mom and I just, this is so crazy to me. Um, and it only gets worse. <laughs> okay. So she had surgeries. <sighs> Embrace yourselves. Okay. Cause this part's kind of, kind of gnarly. Um, so she had surgeries on her eyes because, you know, she had a visual impairment, not, at all, actually like fucked up. Um, and had her salivary glands removed, which right now just gives me insane dry mouth. Um, so cool. Um, all right. And gypsy's teeth also began rotting because, well, they weren't actually sure of the exact cause But they think it might have been a combination of her salivary glands being removed and all of the unnecessary medication that was, like, pumped into her body. Um, But, yeah, once they started rotting, they were all pulled out. So that's wonderful. And please know that I'm being facetious and totally sarcastic when I'm, like, dropping little positive bombs in here. Because I think this case is royally fucked up and I just need to be a dick about it, because I need to make it, like, bearable to get through, if that makes sense. Sorry if that doesn't make sense, but you're along for this ride with me, kids, so let's keep going. <sighs> okay, so this is where it's got me absolutely confused, because how on earth did Dee, Dee pull this shit off? Because I feel like medical testing does not lie. So, like, I'm just so confused by this. So, when I dug a little bit deeper into that aspect of things, um, apparently these medical tests would show inconclusive or contradictory results than what Dee Dee was claiming. And if a doctor became puzzled, which happened more often than not because of the results, Dee Dee would stop care with them immediately. Mm -hmm. Um... I don't know if that was for fear of being found out. I mean, I'm assuming that was why, but yeah, just crazy. So remember when I mentioned that Dee Dee was a nurse's aide? Um, so because her knowledge of medication and symptoms was more extensive than like a normal non-nurse person, <laughs> Um, she was able to convincingly describe symptoms. She was able to really sound knowledgeable when she was talking to medical professionals. And I think that definitely fooled them and made them more apt to believe her. Um, she gave gypsy medication to mimic certain conditions. So, did he knowingly and intentionally hurt Gypsy by giving her these medications? And, like, she was perfectly healthy all along. Like, how do you do that? I I just don't understand. Um. Anyway, oof. So, besides being a little bit crafty, I guess, when it came to the medical side of things and, and seemingly knowing what she was talking about, uh, people many people said that Dee Dee was super charming and she received a lot of praise as a mother for taking such amazing care of her daughter because to the public eye and the outside eye like you know Dee Dee was really struggling she was a very very sick little girl and you know here comes Dee Dee just making sure that she's completely cared for and has you know the best wheelchair and you know, is keeping up these public appearances and coaching Gypsy basically on what to say, because I mean, Gypsy doesn't know anyone else's truth besides Dee Dee's. And what I mean by that is Gypsy was told her entire life to lie, basically. Um, you know, she, she was perfectly healthy. She could walk. She didn't need these surgeries. She didn't need a feeding tube. But Didi made it her mission to put that on her. And, you know, if she was ever questioned, she was told to lie. And I just, like I said, there's a lot of layers to this case. It's very, very difficult to understand, like, the entire psychology behind it. Um, I've been attempting to, but like even my brain is just like, cannot, it cannot understand how, how someone can do that. But, um, yeah. So anyhow, so, um, Gypsy actually, I mean, excuse me, Dee, Dee told Gypsy's dad Rod that Gypsy suffered from a chromosomal disorder. So that was the reason for all of these health issues. And I don't think that like Rod had any reason to suspect that Dee, Dee was not being truthful. I mean, this was his child's mother and she had supposedly been so devoted and caring, et cetera, to Gypsy. So I, I get it. I, I guess like, but like, and I'm not blaming him but it's like, why wouldn't you question more? Why wouldn't you go to more appointments? Like, I don't know. Just, it bothers me. Like, for example, her family, Didi's family would see Gypsy, um, you know, moving around in her wheelchair and like able to walk basically. And when they were questioned, like when they came to, to Didi with these questions, Didi would be like, yeah, like See and ever, and would pack up and move Gypsy and herself away. Like, so again, not blaming anybody, but that's very odd behavior. Like, if you are just being asked a question, like, can your child walk? Or because, you know, I saw her moving in the wheelchair. Like, any normal mother, and I'll use that term loosely, normal, but any mother would be so ecstatic that their child who was in a wheelchair could walk. Like, are you kidding me? Anyway, um, Dee Dee also claimed to be a victim of hurricane Katrina. Um, so she and Gypsy actually received assistance to relocate from Louisiana to Missouri in 2005 um when they got to Missouri she still took uh gypsy to doctors appointments and unnecessary testing etc and conveniently enough uh hurricane katrina also provided an excuse for dd when asked about missing medical files because doctors again would be kind of puzzled by what she was presenting um excuse me, what she was presenting Gypsy with. And she'd be like, oh, you know, I just lost, lost everything in Hurricane Katrina. And I like, which was not true. And like F you for using Hurricane Katrina as an excuse. Like that was so devastating to so many people. Like you're a shithead, but moving on. (laughs) Um, so she, they kept getting free stuff. Like, in this documentary I watched Gypsy Met, countless celebrities was, you know, going on all these all-inclusive all, in, all inclusive trips with Dee Dee, and, you know, people were just really treating her with a lot of love and kindness, and um, she was getting a lot of free stuff, which, I mean, who doesn't love free stuff? So, uh, in 2008, for example, Gypsy and Dee Dee moved into a new house in Springfield, Missouri, and that was built by Habitat for Humanity. Um, it was like a little pink house and had a wheelchair ramp. And they, uh, um, yeah, so like I mentioned earlier, they received benefits from charity, um, trips to Disney World, and DD just loved, loved the attention she was getting for being Gypsy's mother. Um, okay. So here's where we get into the, the big kahuna, I would say. Um, when Gypsy was 14, she saw a neurologist in Missouri and, um, the doctor believed that she was a victim of um, Munchausen syndrome by proxy. I will get into like a full description of that. Um, but I'm just going to say that, that this is what the doctor believed that she was being a victim of. But this doctor um, never reported it, never reported this case or his, or excuse me, or their belief that Gypsy was being a victim of this. So yeah. Um, later on in interviews, he, he said that there wasn't enough evidence really to substantiate like any any more investigation into it like that's just what he thought and there was no real evidence to go off of that but I'm just thinking like if you would have just looked at their lives or got gypsy alone like maybe I don't even like speculating but like maybe things could have been different who knows (sighs) um so that was in 2000. Yes, okay, 2008. They moved to Springfield. And in 2009, um, an anonymous report was made to authorities um, saying that Dee, Dee, Dee Dee's accounts of Gypsy's issues had no medical background, like, no base or no truth um medically. So that brought two caseworkers into their home um to investigate, but Dee Dee, again, super charming, super believable, convinced them that nothing was wrong. Um as Gypsy grew older, Dee Dee started like lying to her about her own age because gypsy started asking questions and she she was kind of starting to maybe you know want different things want to live a life of a young woman of that age and and experience college or university or dating or whatever and like so understandable but dd Dee Dee just would not have it so she would lie to gypsy and be like oh no you're only 10 when really she was like 14 you know like uh, um, but gypsies started becoming a bit harder for for Didi to to control. So now that we have the background information about you know, Gypsy's upbringing and Didi's Dee obviously mental issues and. You know, people in Gypsy's life being ignorant to the fact that she was being, I would, I'm going to use the word tortured because this to me is torture. You're denying a perfectly healthy girl her right to live her life because you selfishly love the attention. It just doesn't make sense to me. Um... So Gypsy eventually started realizing that her mom was being untruthful and controlling and everything that Dee Dee obviously was. So in 2011, Gypsy tried to get away from Dee Dee by running away with a man that she just met at like a science fiction convention, but Dee Dee tracked them down with, like, no effort, basically, um, through mutual friends. She convinced the man that um, took Gypsy, or that Gypsy went with, excuse me, that she was a minor, and though she was actually 19 at the time um, that she left with him. So, according to Gypsy, after this happened, Dee, Dee smashed her computer and restrained her physically to the bed, after they got home. Um, Gypsy also said that her mother would hit her and deny her food. Which, again, if you remember from when I was talking to or telling you previously, um, many family members uh, suspected that Dee Dee had a hand in in killing her own mother by denying her food. So this seems to kind of fit together, unfortunately take a shot. (laughs) So after Dee Dee smashed Gypsy's computer, she managed to get back online and she made a profile on a Christian dating site. Um, and that's where she met Nicholas Godijohn. Um, they quickly began a relationship. He was around the same age as her at the time. And he was from, um, Big Bend, Wisconsin. He did have some issues of his own. He did have a criminal record for indecent exposure, um, a history of mental illness and autism, and also um, it was reported that he had disassociative identity disorder. In 2014, Gypsy confided in her friend Aaliyah She was a neighbor, um, that was extremely close with Gypsy, and she was actually also interviewed in the, um, HBO documentary, and um, she was, she considered herself to be kind of a big sister to Gypsy, um. So I believe that's why Gypsy felt like comfortable confiding in her. She told her all about Nicholas and how they had discussed Mm -hmm. um, eloping and picked out their kids' names. Um, They flirted online um, and how sometimes their exchanges were about BDSM. Uh, So Gypsy was confiding in, in Aaliyah all of this stuff. That, you know, they were really happy and they were going to be together forever. Um, And Aaliyah actually was concerned that she was being taken advantage of by an online predator. So she really tried to encourage Gypsy to end the relationship and not continue um, talking with Godajan. Um, Because, you know, the internet is a very scary place and Aaliyah was just looking out for her friend. But unfortunately, Gypsy didn't take that into account and continued their relationship with Nicholas. So um, Aaliyah was actually really concerned about Gypsy that she was being taken advantage of by an online predator because, you know, Gypsy had never met this person. And, um, you know, there are a lot of creeps out there. So Aaliyah was just trying to be a good friend and she was trying to convince Gypsy to kind of end the relationship, but Gypsy just would not listen. Um, so in 2015, So this relationship continued for quite some time. And then the following year in 2015, Gypsy arranged and paid for Nicholas to come to Springfield. Um, Her plan was that they were going to be at a movie theater at the same time. She would be there with her mom, Dee Dee, and both of them would be in costume. Um, They would strike up a conversation and, you know, she would introduce him to her mother and as soon as they did meet in person for the first time, Nicholas says that Gypsy led him to the bathroom and that is where they first had sex. Um, and then after that event, the two continued to talk online and grow their relationship further and eventually began developing their plan to kill Dee Dee. So, now we are going to get into Dee Dee Blanchard's murder. So, uh, trigger warning, this is very gruesome. Um, So, just so you're aware. (sighs) So, like I said, uh, Nicholas and Gypsy continued their relationship online and began formulating this plan to kill Dee Dee. Um, Dee, Dee was an obstacle to both of them and obviously they both had mental issues and killing Dee, Dee was just the easiest, most convenient way to get her out of the way so that they could be together. Um, so Nicholas returned to Springfield in June of 2015 Um, And he got there when Gypsy and her mom weren't home. They were at a doctor's appointment. So he just kind of hung around outside. Um, And after Dee Dee went to sleep, he um, went to the Blanchard house. So Gypsy was aware of this and she allowed him in. Um, allegedly she gave him duct tape, gloves, and a knife with the understanding that he would use it to murder her mother, Dee Dee. So, God, here we go. So Nicholas is armed in the house and he is, um... He goes into Didi's Dee room as she's sleeping, and she and he stabs her several times in the back, and she, um, she bled to death. After, um, the murder was committed, Gypsy and Nicholas fled. Um, they returned back to his home in Wisconsin. Um, Gypsy had posted on her Facebook account that she actually shared with DeeDee, Dee, and one post read, quote, that bitch is dead. Um, after Gypsy posted that, uh, she later says that she did it so her mom's body would be discovered. Um, and obviously people on their Facebook was very, were very alarmed. Um, a couple of comments, what is going on? What did your Facebook get hacked? I've never heard you talk like that. Um, sounds like you guys are watching a movie. And then she posted again and said, I effing slashed that fat pig and raped her sweet, innocent daughter. Her scream was so effing loud, lol. So I'm really not sure why the second got posted. Well, either one. I get that the bitch's dead one was kind of a shock to maybe lure police there to investigate, of course, and do a wellness check, which actually did happen, and that's where they um, discovered Dee Dee. But I don't really understand the second part. Um, yeah. So, um, sheriff's deputies from Green County, Missouri, they ended up finding the body of Dee Dee. Uh, she was face down in the bedroom of her house, just outside of Springfield, and uh, she was lying in a pool of blood. So, when police arrived on the scene, there was no sign of Gypsy anywhere. So, initially, they thought that she was kidnapped um, by the person who committed this murder. Um, so, kind of backtracking here. After the posts were made on Facebook, neighbors notified the police. Um, they explained to the police that she was wheelchair-bound, her medications were still in the house... Um they were super concerned for Gypsy because, you know, to their knowledge, she required all of these things. Um, but yeah, so they were they were very concerned. Um, so after Gypsy and Nicholas fled to Wisconsin, they um before they left, however, they mailed the murder weapon to Nicholas's house in Wisconsin to avoid being caught with it which I thought was interesting Um, and then they took a bus to Wisconsin so uh, witnesses came forward and said that they saw the pair on the way to the Greyhound station Um, Gypsy was wearing a blonde wig and was walking unassisted Uh, Aaliyah, the neighbor that I mentioned earlier when police were um, investigating Dee Dee's murder she told them about Gypsy's online boyfriend and showed them, um, saved text messages and messages that Gypsy had shared with her as well. So with that information, they were able to just basically find Nicholas without any effort. Like obviously these two are not criminal masterminds, but I mean it, yeah, it was very easy to track them down. Um, So, once the cops had Nicholas's information, they, um, raided his home in Wisconsin, and, um, both he and Gypsy surrendered, and they were taken into custody on charges of murder and felony armed criminal action. Um, they were extradited back to Springfield, and they were held on $1 million bond, um... Once this all happened, the media grabbed hold of it and reported all of the truths behind Dee Dee's deception and Gypsy's health not being, you know, nearly as bad as Dee Dee made it out to seem and she was always able to walk, but she was told to pretend otherwise. Um, yeah. Um, a lot of people in the community felt really angry that they were um, so blind to what was happening. Um, There was actually a spokesman for Habitat for Humanity, the people who built their home, um, and he said that uh, we are just really deeply saddened by the whole situation. Um, Once Aaliyah... Her neighbor was informed about everything. She really was just in disbelief um, that Gypsy had never been sick or disabled. (sighs) Like, a lot of people were just feeling like, how could I have been so stupid? How could I have been so naive? And it's like, you're not really given much to go on besides Didi who apparently was super charming and super knowledgeable so I think anyone in that situation would have believed it because there was no reason not to like I don't know this is just very very like it's a lot um there was a candlelit vigil for Didi in Springfield the night after her body was discovered, and over 60 people attended that, so, you know, Springfield was pissed, but there were also a lot of people who, um, felt bad, I mean, obviously, this is a human, even though she was, like, an awful human, I don't know if that justifies her death, like, that's very, very up for debate, so, um, So he, the once the family had found out about Dee Dee's death and the treatment of Gypsy and the fact that Gypsy actually wasn't sick all these years, um, apparently they did not regret her death. Her dad and stepmother um, all said later that Dee Dee deserved her fate and that Gypsy had been punished as much as she needed to be. Um, no one of them, or excuse me, none of them would pay for her funeral or pick up her ashes. And and this is terrible. Um, her father and her stepmom ultimately flushed them down the toilet, which is like, all right, okay. Like, I get it. You guys were not on the best of terms, but that is just so disrespectful to me. Like, I, I can't. Oh, anyway, I mean... That's their own thing. They That was their choice. But I just... I feel bad about that. Um, Rod Blanchard, who was Gypsy's dad um, that I mentioned earlier, he believes that Dee Dee's problem um, was that she started all of these lies. And then after, like, years of just building on top of these lies over and over and over, there was just no coming back from that. Like, there was no way that she could have possibly come clean um he said quote it was like a tornado got started um but he was extremely happy the first time he saw video uh he saw a video of gypsy walking on her own i mean think of that as a father you're told for your child's entire life that They have all of these health issues that they can't walk, that they have leukemia, muscular dystrophy, etc. And you see your child flourishing and not actually needing all of these health appointments and medical appointments and medications and she can walk. Like, are you kidding? That's just, I can't imagine how, like, stoked he was, um, even in the midst of, like, the DD tragedy. So, um... So I'm gonna go into the trials now. Uh, I'm trying to make these true crime episodes just one episode per crime, but um, I could probably do multiple for this. I just, I really wanna keep them like con- like short if I can. Okay, so after all that rambling, <laughs> um, so after uh, it was disclosed how Dee Dee was treating Gypsy for all of these years, Um, for her whole life. Um, there was a lot of sympathy for Gypsy. Um, of course there was sympathy for Dee Dee because there was such a violent murder that happened and she was the victim. But it really changed when Dee Dee's actions were brought to light and then everyone began to feel for Gypsy Rose. Um, as she was a victim of child abuse her entire life. Um, So, in Missouri, the first-degree murder charge can actually carry the death penalty um, or life without parole. So, the county prosecutor, his name was Dan Patterson, he announced that he would not seek um, that for either Gypsy or for Godijan um, because he called the case so extraordinary and unusual. Um, her attorney, Gypsy's attorney, he got, uh, medical records from Louisiana, and he used these to secure a plea bargain to second degree murder for Gypsy. Um, when she went to, um, county jail, like during the the trial, she was in county jail. He told her lawyer told BuzzFeed later that she had gained 14 pounds Um, because she was so undernourished and that was kind of a shock to him because most of his clients, um, lose weight when they're in that situation. Um, so in July, 2015, she accepted the plea bargain agreement and she was sentenced to 10 years in prison. A little about Nicholas's case um, because he was the murderer. He faced more severe charges. Um, they, the prosecutors, said that he initiated the murder plot, and um, both he and Gypsy agreed that he would be the one to actually kill Dee Dee. Um, because of her plea bargain agreement, she didn't have to testify against him. Um, but in July twenty seventeen, his trial that was scheduled was p- postponed um, because the prosecutors actually requested a second psychiatric exam. Um, his lawyers then determined that he had an intelligence quotient of eighty two and was on, and is on the autism spectrum. So they they were trying to argue that this. Um, showed that he had a diminished it's called diminished capacity or diminished responsibility um which like defendants argue uh that even though they broke the law so even though he murdered Dee, Dee they cannot be held fully criminally criminally liable um because their mental functions were diminished or impaired or whatever so so um, Nicholas was, <sighs> Nicholas's trial, um, kept getting postponed and eventually he, um, he was sent to trial in November, 2018. So, um, the prosecutors alleged that John had actually deliberated for over a year before the crime um and his lawyers pointed to his autism and his mental state and said that gypsy had um formulated the crime and that nicholas was just so in love with gypsy that that he would do anything she asked which is i think it's bullshit um you're the one who killed her you're the one who should pay for that you know, that's my black and white whatever. <laughs> um, so uh, the prosecutors then showed jurors some text messages um, in the week before their murder. In some of the texts, um, he was asking Gypsy for details about Dee Dee's room and her sleeping habits. Um, this was... These were supplemented by video of his interview with police after his arrest, where he admitted to having killed her. Gypsy actually testified in Nicholas's trial on the third day. She did say that she suggested to Nicholas that he killed Dee Dee because she could not handle Dee Dee's abuse anymore. Um, it was also noted that she considered getting pregnant by Nicholas. In hopes that once she was carrying to John's child, um, Dee Dee would have no choice but to accept them, accept him, and accept them as a couple. Um. But to John actually never told her what he thought about this "quote unquote" pregnancy plan, which I thought was a little bit strange. Um. Anyhow, for, after four days, um, Nick Nicholas's case was sent to the tra- to the jury. Excuse me. They had the choice of finding Nicholas not guilty or guilty of one of three murder charges. Excuse me. Um, So involuntary manslaughter was one of the charges or second degree murder or first degree murder. Um, They deliberated for about two hours and then they returned with the verdict that he was guilty of first degree murder and armed criminal action. So, he was sentenced to life in prison for the murder conviction, um, which was the only possible option since the prosecutors declined to seek the death penalty. Um, Nicholas asked the judge for leniency on the armed criminal action charge. Um, I guess that sentence only carries a minimum of three years. and. he received a sentence of 25 years on that charge, which is concurrent with the life sentence. Um, I don't really understand what the armed criminal action charges. One of my best friends is a really well-established lawyer. So I'm probably going to text her about it. Um, and she's a bad B. So what up girl? If you're listening, thank you. Um, and like teach me some legal jargon so I don't sound so dumb. Anyway, um, so, uh, John's lawyer actually, um, tried to petition for a new trial, um, but the judge denied that. Uh, so, yeah, they are currently both in jail, Gypsy is serving her sentence in Missouri's Um, Chilicoff (laughs) Correctional Center no idea if I pronounced that properly probably didn't don't come for me um but she actually did not talk until um talked to any media outlets or any anyone until she had made her plea um so when she finally made her plea she met with reporter Michelle Dean from BuzzFeed And she actually had been able to research Munchausen syndrome by proxy on the prison computers and her mom had every symptom. Um, Gypsy says that I think she would have been the perfect mom for someone that was actually sick and reflecting on everything. She actually believed Didi's claims that she did have cancer even though she knew she could walk and eat solid food. Um, she always hoped that doctors would be able to see through the roofs, but she was frustrated um, that none besides the, um, the one doctor who tried to suggest the Munchausen um, until he did. Another quote from Gypsy, I feel like I'm more free in prison than living with my mom, because now I'm allowed to live just like a normal woman. Like how heartbreaking, like I'm going to wrap this up and then I'm going to give my own thoughts. Um, so I, I would really like to just talk about Munchausen syndrome by proxy a little bit. So, it's a condition where a caregiver creates the appearance of health problems in another person, typically their child. Um, This can include injuring the child or altering test samples, um, and then they present the person as being sick or injured. So, her nurse's aid training really came into play because she was knowledgeable, and she could say, like, you know, this is what's wrong and break everything down in the the doctors and medical professionals were like, oh, okay. Like, yeah. Oh, it's very scary. Um, reading about the condition is, um, very crazy to think about because like this could just happen in your like, oh my God, I can't even formulate my thoughts right now because I just think this condition is so bananas. So, um, a caregiver makes a dependent person appear mentally or physically ill in order to gain attention. Um, she or he will fabricate signs, manipulate lab tests. And studies have shown a mortality rate of between 6 and 10%, making it perhaps the most lethal form of abuse. Like, oh, um... Another interesting fact is that the mother, um, in this study that was performed, the mother was the perpetrator in 76.5% of cases and the father in 6.7%. So definitely the mother is more likely to, um, suffer from this. I'm not entirely sure why, but that's very interesting, definitely. Um... So another way to look at it too is, um, this form of abuse is the role that healthcare providers play by actively enabling the issue. Now, I'm not saying it was intentional. Of course, it's not, not intentional. Healthcare providers are amazing. They are there to save you and care for you and just make your condition better, um, so yeah, but that's another thing that kind of drives the Munchausen is when they are receiving validation from doctors who are not questioning their their claims about their child. Um, another thing I want to read to you guys um, about Munchausen is that it can, when it when imposed on another, it can have many long term emotional effects on a child depending on their experience of medical interventions a percentage of children may learn that they are most likely to receive the positive maternal attention they crave when they are playing the sick role in front of healthcare providers several case reports describe Munchausen syndrome patients suspected of themselves having Munchausen having been Munchausen victims seeking personal gratification through illness can thus become a lifelong and multi-generational disorder in some cases. Um, The adult caregiver, so in this case Didi, who has abused the child often seems comfortable and not upset over the child's hospitalization. While the child is hospitalized, medical professionals must monitor the caregiver's visits to prevent an attempt to worsen the child's condition. In addition, in many jurisdictions, medical professionals have a duty to report such abuse to legal authorities. Um, Some warning signs of the disorder is a child who has more medical problems that do not respond with treatment or that follow an unusual course that is persistent, puzzling and unexplained. Physical or lab findings that are highly unusual. Um, A parent who appears medically knowledgeable, so just as Dee Dee was. A highly attentive parent who is reluctant to leave their child's side and who themselves seem to require constant attention, Dee Dee. A parent who appears unusually calm in the face of serious difficulties in their child's medical course while being highly supportive and encouraging of the physician, Dee Dee. A child who inexplicably deteriorates whenever discharge is planned. Like, I'm sure that happened. Um, And there's a ton more um, signs and symptoms. So, with that, um, I will give you my final thoughts on this whole case. Um, First, I want to apologize if I was a little bit scatterbrained. Um, I've been trying to record this episode for a couple of days now, and... I just keep falling down rabbit holes on the internet and then finding like a million other things to talk about. But then I have to recenter and refocus myself because I don't, like I mentioned earlier, want these to be super duper long episodes. Um, anyhow, I hope that I did this case like, well, you know, I hope that I (laughs) described it and covered everything and did it in an entertaining way. Um, I've been told by a lot of people that have listened to my podcast that I have a great podcasting voice. So, I mean, even if you just listen to hear me and my podcasting voice, I thank you. But anyway, that was really lame. Um, okay. My final thoughts here. I am talking about not wanting to make it long and I can't shut up. So here we go. I think that, um, Gypsy was also a victim in this case, obviously. She endured physical, emotional, psychological, mental, every kind of abuse that you can endure. Gypsy Rose Blanchard endured it. Do I think that Dee Dee deserved to die? Absolutely not. I don't think that she deserved such a cold and malicious end do I think that she should have been punished? Absolutely. To every extent of the law possible, I think that Dee Dee should have been arrested, put in jail, like so she couldn't hurt anybody else. Because remember, she was also accused of killing her own mother. She um, I believe, I don't think I mentioned this, and I really should have, but Um, there was also reports that she poisoned her stepmother as, um, I mean, as one does, but no, I'm just kidding. That's terrible. Um, I am definitely kidding. I would never do that. Let me be clear. Um, but so I just, I feel bad for everyone involved. I feel bad that Dee Dee died, but I don't feel bad that she can't hurt Gypsy anymore. If that makes sense. I think it's incredibly sad that Gypsy feels more freedom than she did out living with her mom in the world, um, in prison. Now she feels more free. I think that is just very heartbreaking. Um, I've seen interviews since with Gypsy and I feel that she is sincere and when she speaks about what happened, um obviously and understandably she suffers from a whole slew of her own mental issues now um i read that she has ptsd and she's working through that in therapy so that's obviously a step in the right direction um and nicholas is also still in jail um like i said he will be there for quite a long time um I mean, it's hard for me to speak on him because with all the mental illness and the other factors, I don't know. I I don't know. I just, you know, I think he's a piece of shit because he killed somebody. I think that he deserves to rot in jail for the rest of his life. Like, you killed someone. But it's just tricky because you don't know the extent of you know, his mental capacity, what he was really registering when they were like formulating these plans. It's hard. It's very hard to, to speak on him. Um, I will say that I did find a couple of, um, quotes that he said, and I want to share them with you guys. So on the murder, he said, I would have done it again. I might have done it differently, but I would have done it again. I couldn't see Gypsy suffer anymore. Um, another quote on his relationship with Gypsy. Those are probably the best days of my life. I enjoyed every second of it. From the very beginning, I knew that we were soulmates. Those five days I was physically with her were the most intense and magical and awe-inspiring days I've ever had. Um... So, on a Dr. Phil interview, Blanchard actually said that um, Jean had multiple personalities that were violent and scary. And he thought that he was a 500-year-old five year vampire named Victor. Um, yeah, it's very, like I said, a lot of layers. Um, so, another quote was that he felt that he had an angel and a devil sitting on his shoulders when he walked into Blanchard's house to kill Dee Dee, and that the devil suppressed the angel in that particular moment. Um, the very second I put my foot down, I had one of those moments that you might only have once in your lifetime, he explained. It was an angel and the devil. First, the angel spoke. It actually said, "'Take her and run.' And then you had the other part of me, that darn devil,' What he ended up telling me was, this bitch is dead. I got so darn enraged that something inside of me clicked. Unfortunately, that part of me wanted to come out for a very long time. And the very first opportunity it got, it didn't waste any time. That dark shadow part of me, re- that really is triggered by anger. Once that anger clicks, I see red. Um, yeah, trigger warning, this is really brutal as well. Um, on having no control about the night of the murder. When D.D. Blanchard woke up to Goddard John stabbing her, Gotojohn John explained, she ended up asking me, who are you? And I said, I'm your fucking nightmare. So I just thought those quotes were interesting, um, obviously terrible, but um, yeah, I believe that Nicholas knew what he was Doing, I mean, I think he just explained that in his multiple personality, um, admission and, you know, the thought process that was going on in his head the night of the murder. Um, so my final thoughts, I really hope that Gypsy is getting the help that she needs in prison. I hope that she continues to work on herself and work through her trauma because honestly, I can't even begin to imagine what growing up and living like that must have been like do I think that she's completely innocent I of course not she's not innocent and that's why she's in jail she um wanted her mother dead and that's not right but I also can see feeling so trapped by somebody like Didi was a monster to her like of course she felt trapped you know what I mean so but Yeah, that, my friends, is the story of Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Um, If you have stuck around with me for this long, thank you so much. Um, Again, I'm very sorry that it's a bit lengthy. Um, I need to learn to not talk so much um, or uh, be a bit more concise anyway. Um, So I'm hoping to have another podcast episode up this week. And I think that might be on motherhood in that motherhood department. Um, And I also already know what true crime case I want to do next. So I've been researching that already. So um, stay tuned because I have a couple of fun things coming. Um, The true crime cases aren't fun, but the other episodes about me and about my life and motherhood and trauma and coffee and all that good stuff. That will be fun-ish. It'll be fun-ish, but yeah. So with that, I'm going to, um, let you guys know that you can contact me on social media. My Instagram is at crimes, coffee, crazy. My Twitter is at podcast CCC. And my email is Crimescoffee and crazy at gmail.com. So, once again, I thank you so much and um, please share your thoughts about this case because I'm really interested to hear what you guys have to say and your perspectives of everything. But, um, yeah, and if you liked this, recommend it to your friends. I would also really love to start having guests on. So, if anyone's interested in becoming a guest on the show, um, just send me an email or something and like, let's figure it out. I think that would be so much fun. Um, but yeah, so thank you again and I will see you soon. Bye guys.